church. Good to see you guys. Welcome to Life in the Sun. It's good to see you. I'm Pastor Mark. Trustworthy. This is our new series. Before I introduce it, though, let me give you a quick update on our family. Terry and I are going on a trip to the States. Yay! <laughs> As many of you know, um, maybe this part's not so yay. <laughs> As many of you know, Terry has some health concerns and we'll see a specialist in Oregon. She and Nicole, they left on Tuesday. I'm gonna follow this week. I wanna thank those of you who have been praying. We really appreciate that. It's been a blessing just to see how God allowed the details of this trip to fall in place. I'll be back in June. Um, depending on whether or not we still have quarantine for travelers who arrive, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'll send some videos while I'm gone, keep you posted. While I'm gone, I have full confidence in our church staff and our ministry heads. Uh, they serve in excellent ways, and we are blessed by all of them. Amen? Uh, what's more, they've been planning a couple special events moving into the summer. Uh, they're working on some plans for the men, uh, for the high school, and for the college students. So stay tuned for more on these. While Terry and I are off island, uh, this trip serves more than one purpose. Uh, it's also a vacation for our family. Our daughters will be with us in the beginning, and then toward the end of our trip, we're going to go and visit uh, Pastor Taylor and Elizabeth. Uh, for those who don't know, they are the founding pastors of Life in the Sun. Uh, I got a photo of them here. This is Pastor Taylor and Elizabeth, along with their leadership team at um, Kings Park, Raleigh, North Carolina. And um, the plan is, if travel restrictions lift sometime soon, Pastor Taylor will come to Guam in October to join us for our 29th church anniversary. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, amen. Well, getting back to our trip, our family trip, I, I mentioned the trip so that you could be praying, so that you could know that everything here is taken care of. You know, like a cruise liner, uh, our crew at Life in the Sun serve with excellence and with God's help, uh, you, the church, are in good hands. The second reason uh, for talking about my trip is to introduce an idea about this new series. Uh, this is a six-week series. Uh, the interesting thing about this series, Trustworthy, is that it comes from Isaiah. And if you recall, we just finished a series from Isaiah. In fact, uh, we will cover many of the same passages from our previous series. And like our family trip, there are different perspectives. On the one hand, it's a medical trip. On the other hand, it's also a recreational trip. In the same way, the book of Isaiah has several perspectives. For example, in our previous series, the focus was on social responsibility. That is, our responsibility to the needy. In this series, the focus from Isaiah is on the nature of God. Namely, that God is a promise keeper. He's a covenant keeper. In a word, God is trustworthy. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for trust. Lord, that's a, a precious gift, a precious experience in relationships. Lord, sometimes we wonder who can we trust. 
we get disappointed, we get hurt, and we wonder, where can I go? And Father, I thank you there is a place where we are safe and that we are accepted and that we are loved. And as Van said, there is no fear in love, your perfect love. And so, God, I ask that you would reveal yourself, reveal your ways. Lord, reveal your blessing and enlarge our capacity to be able to trust. God, I pray that you would convince our hearts so that in the moment of the test, Lord, we will not be shaken, but we will stand firm and trust who you are. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, perhaps a good way to introduce the book of Isaiah again is to let Isaiah introduce itself. And looking at verse 1 of chapter 1, uh, these are the visions that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw. Isaiah was a prophet. He had a ministry of 43 years, 43 years of preaching God's word to God's people. He had more to say about the future. He had more to say about the future Messiah than any other prophet. But sometimes it's difficult to read Isaiah because as you're going along, it's easy to get confused. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. Who's talking? Who are they talking to? What's the subject here? And it, it seems to change periodically. And maybe a good way to understand that is, you know how modern-day preachers will sometimes post a segment, maybe a little five-minute video on Instagram? Well, Isaiah is like a collection of all these different messages. The best messages of Isaiah collected in one book, 66 chapters. And so keep in mind that this is a collection of the visions that Isaiah had. And today, we're going to read about one of them. It's found in verse 12 of chapter 1. I'll read it. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they're all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They're a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If you will only obey me, if you, will ha you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, this is a difficult passage to process. Uh, number one, it's, it's a hard message. But number two, a lot of the examples that are used here to talk about the way the people of God in that day fell short, a lot of those, a lot of those examples we don't relate to. I mean, we're not doing things like presenting incense. You know, we're not celebrating new moon celebrations. 
Um, but don't let the examples cause you to miss the point. Oftentimes in scripture, what we need to do is dig a little bit deeper and sense what is the principle, what is the point, extract the principle, and then apply it to our modern day circumstance. So allow me to demonstrate. Husbands, I know this doesn't happen to any of you, but imagine for a moment that one day your wife gets really upset with you. And she starts listing all the things you've done that she's upset about. And because she's mad, she's giving it to you straight. Not that she would actually ever do this, but just imagine that for a moment. <clears throat> she's upset, and she's laying it on thick with her photographic memory. She brings up everything all the way back to the beginning. And imagine how that feels in the moment. Imagine you're feeling at your worst. And then you're, you're just about to burst with some kind of defensive reaction. And then all of a sudden, she says, But honey, I want you to know that I still love you. And I forgive you. And you're like, what? <laughs> you were just going down this deep, dark tunnel. And then you just throw me for a loop with this U-turn. I mean, it's a pleasant U-turn. I'm pleasantly surprised, but I wasn't expecting that. You know what that's called? That's called truth and grace. Truth and grace. That's what we just read in verse 18. We'll read it again. Though your sins are like scarlet, there's the truth. I will make them as white as snow. There's the grace. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as snow. And so just think about that for a moment. Just try to personally apply that and think about that in your own life of all the shortcomings of all the the stupid things that we say and do the mistakes that we made is God actually offering me like a divine pardon hmm this is called a divine covenant a divine promise this promise was made 700 years before Jesus was born and this is a promise that God kept. This series is about our covenant-keeping God. Now, covenant, it's an interesting word. It's not a word that we often use in language today, but it's found over 300 times in the Bible. And the closest word that we might use is the word promise, but it's a very unique form of promise. This particular kind of promise is always from a higher to a lesser. In other words, it's a promise that's initiated by God, not the other way around. And God initiates two types of covenants. One is absolute, and the other is conditional. An absolute covenant is a promise by God, regardless of our response. You don't have to do anything. It doesn't matter what you do. It's just a promise that God makes, and as a result, it becomes a reality that we live in. I'll give you an example. God made a promise to Noah that he would never flood the earth again. And that promise is not based on Noah, not based on his descendants. It's just on the faithfulness of God alone. And it's a present-day reality that we live in. It's an absolute covenant. The other type is called a conditional covenant. And that one is dependent on our response. For example, Jesus said, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, 
and all these things, that is, your needs, will be added to you. Seek first his kingdom. Uh, there's a couple things there. Uh, the kingdom has a king. The idea of the king is any place that he rules and reigns is his kingdom. And ideally, we want God to rule and reign in us. If we seek first his kingdom in us, he says all your needs will be met. And secondly, he says, do that first. That's also part of the condition. You know, sometimes we'll try my own understanding, my own effort, and if that doesn't work, then I'll seek God. He <laughs> says, no, seek first his kingdom. Not second, not third, but first. And so there are two types of covenant. One is absolute, and the other is conditional. And in both cases, God is always faithful to keep his promise. Paul said, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So yesterday I was talking to students in our church community class, and one of the students with tears was just telling the story that they can't even count how many times they made that choice to put God first, and then God came through and provided for them, or somehow everything just worked out. Uh, some of them were just like a miracle in their lives. And so, to summarize, a covenant is a unique form of promise from God. There are two types. One is absolute. What is the other? Conditional. And so we need to ask ourselves, what is the covenant in the passage that we just read? And so let's go back to verse 18. We'll read it again. God says, come now, let's settle this. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. And so what is the promise here? What is it that God's going to do? What is the promise? It's the promise that he will change our sins. He will cleanse us from our sins. And the question is, is this absolute? Is he just going to do that anyway with everybody? Or is it conditional? Does it depend on a response from us? Verse 16 and 17 will answer the question. God says, wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. In a word, God is saying, repent. We, need, we were going in this direction. We need to turn and go in the other direction. And if we repent... God is making a promise. He says, I will cleanse your sins. Now, sometimes it's easy for us just because we, we tend to be defensive by nature. Uh, we want to justify ourselves. We need to validate ourselves. Nobody likes to feel bad about themselves. And so sometimes it's easy to ignore our sins. Or maybe to put it another way, it's a little difficult to see ourselves from the inside out. And so we need... Um, we need to review what God says about our condition. It'll help to appreciate our need to be cleansed. Uh, don't go to the next slide yet, but the Apostle John talked about uh, kind of the sinful nature and what that looks like. He said uh, it consists of three things, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. He said these are not from the Father, these are from the world. And so the lust of the flesh would be things like physical appetites. It could be the need for food, water, sleep, sex. There's nothing wrong with the needs that God created. The problem is when they become lust. When they are activities that we 
the way we experience them are outside the guidelines that God has given us in order for them to be blessed. Just simple things. Anything that you get too much of can be harmful to you. And so that's the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes would be those things we see and we desire. A better word for that in today's world is materialism. Materialism, it's a strong force in the world today. Everywhere you go, it's calling your name. You watch ads on the internet, on TV, you go to the mall, it's everywhere telling you that bigger and more is better. And then lastly is the boastful pride of life. And that's the idea of wanting to be number one. It's that thing of pride that says, I want to be the best. I want to do things my way, is the boastful pride of life. Now, what does that look like? What are some examples of it? Uh, we'll go ahead and go to the next slide. These are things that would be described by the lust of the flesh, or the lust of the eyes, or the boastful pride of life. I'm reminding us of our condition so that we can be super thankful about the promise that God makes to cleanse us from our sin, so we can be deeply thankful. God's faithfulness and his covenant that you and I, to you and I, is that we have an invitation to come to him so that we can be right with him and to be cleansed, to have a clear conscience. God, through the prophet Isaiah, he's crystal clear. He's saying, you know, all of their religious activities back in the day, that wasn't the goal. That wasn't what God was looking for. He was looking for a heart toward him. And in the same way, the modern day example for us would be going to church is good, maybe even impressive, but that's not the goal. The goal is what's happening throughout the week. What are, where does my imagination go? What are the meditations of my heart? How am I talking? How am I responding? God wants a heart that is for him and expressing his heart. In the day of Isaiah, God's people in their heart, they were far away from God. They came into their temple. They said and did all the right things. But God says, return to me and repent. Be cleansed. You know, the good news is that with God, although he's you know, speaking the truth, there's the grace side. Judgment is never the last word with God. God always has an invitation to come and get right with him. But the temptation because of grace, because of his patience, is to think that, you know what, there's no urgency. I don't really need to do that today. I've got time. There's God's grace and his forgiveness and it'll be covered anyway. It's already covered, right? So it doesn't really matter. So the temptation is that we could walk away from God thinking that it's no big deal because he's gracious. But I want us to read again verse 20 of this passage. If you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. You'll be devoured by the sword of your enemies. You know, if you take that literally, you might ask yourself, you could ask us. Anybody here have a sword? Maybe the closest we might get is a modern-day machete. <laughs> Do your enemies have swords? You know, hopefully you don't even have any enemies, much less swords. But if you take that literally, you might say to yourself, you know, based on this passage, I've got nothing to worry about. There's nobody coming after me with swords. 
But if you interpret this literally, um, you could be missing something. You might think, you know, unless I'm in a war zone, I don't have to worry about any weapons of my enemy. But I'd like you to consider another meaning. You know, when it comes to the armor of God, uh, what does the sword represent? The sword of the Spirit, which is, she said, the Bible. Very good. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so I'd like you to consider another meaning. In Ephesians 6, Paul reminds us to put on the armor of God. He said, which includes the sword of the Spirit, that is the Word of God. And so the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So using that definition as a template, um, if the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, then the sword of the enemy is the Word of... Yeah, the word of the enemy. And what is the word of the enemy? You know, if we're not hearing a message from God, the message that we get from the enemy is, it's hopeless. Forget it. Just give up. Just quit trying. Why, why, why make yourself suffer? The message of the enemy is, you're no good. The enemy, the, the message of the enemy He'll tell you things like, just quit. What's the use? And then this depression, this passivity sets in. And that can be the beginning of the end. He can mess with our mind and play with our minds to get us off of the hope and the love and the faith that we have in God. This passage is saying, that if you turn away from God, you'll be destroyed by the sword of your enemy. But if you walk with him, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. He says, you, your needs will be met. You know, earlier I was a little vague about um, the trip to the States. Said there's some medical concerns. But to be specific, Terry has a heart condition. And so we needed to see um, a cardiologist and so we got a referral. We called up the different clinics asking for an appointment. And the soonest that we could be seen was two months out. They're just that busy. And even then, it wouldn't be with the cardiologist. It would be with a clerk who would do an intake interview. And then later, we'd be scheduled to see the cardiologist depending on the interview. And so the reason that we had gone to the hospital in the first place is Terry was having difficulty breathing. And um, we just felt like, man, two months. We can't wait two months. And then one night, she was having difficulty breathing again. She couldn't sleep. And she just sensed like the Lord said, go to the hospital now. So we got in the car. We went to GRMC. She got admitted. She saw the cardiologist. And he said, I'd like to do an angiogram, take a look inside what's happening, figure out where to go from there. He said, we can schedule that tomorrow. So the next morning, she's getting prepped for the procedure. They walk in and they say, uh-oh, sorry. The machine that we're going to use is not working properly. We can't do the procedure today. And so we're releasing you from the hospital. So we go home, and she's sitting there going, Lord, I thought you said for me to go to the hospital. What was that all about? And he said, I had you go there so you could get bumped up to the front of the line. So the cardiologist schedules us for the following week when the machine is working. They do the angiogram. She gets two stents put in. And now she's recovering. She's getting a little stronger every day. 
She's in Oregon now, going to see another cardiologist so they can take a deeper look and perhaps do some things there that aren't available here. But my point of all of that is when you put God first, He'll open doors. The blessing allows things to just work, things to fall into place. You know, so often we think of the blessing as, okay, if I put God first, then He's going to provide for me financially. And we do believe that. The Bible says that. That's a promise. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things, your needs will be added to you. But it's more than that. It's when you're going through life and you've got circumstances that you can't control and just somehow God sovereignly overseeing your life, things work out and fall into place. And that's the blessing. And that's the good news. When we put God first, things will fall into place. Sounds good? Okay, there are some questions for us to consider this week. Do you have a situation where you need to trust that you need to trust God? Um, is there a promise in God's word that you can hold on to? And is there a condition that you need to fulfill in order to do your part? And if so, what is that? What will you do? And so this week, as you go, uh, whether it's life group, over lunch, just on your own and your time alone with God, um, let's consider these and, and trust God for what he'll do. Amen? Sound good? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for truth. Lord, although sometimes difficult, thank you for truth and grace. And thank you, Lord, that both are realized in Jesus. And so, God, we come to you because you're real with us, but you're also gracious to us. And we thank you, God, that there is a remedy when there's conviction, like Van was talking about earlier. Lord, that we don't have to stay there. Lord, there's a better place to go in your forgiveness and in your cleansing. And so, Father, help us to choose you. Help us not to be afraid, as Van talked about. There's no fear in your perfect love. Lord, despite what we've done or said or not done, God, I pray that you would help us to enter in and to receive your kindness and your healing and your cleansing. And if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd want to give you an opportunity just to do some business with God. Perhaps there's something in the message today that touched your heart. Maybe God is speaking to you in a certain way, and I want to give you a chance just to respond to him. And so, Holy Spirit, whatever it is that you're doing, we're inviting you to continue to complete what you began. And so just take a moment to do some business with God. Father, thank you for your heart toward us. And Father, we, we come to you and trust you. You are trustworthy. Lord, because you demonstrated the ultimate sacrifice. Lord, you came to serve, not to be served. And because of that, you've proven that you're trustworthy. And so, God, whatever the next step is for us, whatever the challenge is, God, we're saying, I want to take that next step and trust you in my circumstance and believe you, God, that you're going to bless and that things will work out. Even if things are not easy, that in the end, it'll all work out. 
And so God, I ask that you would help your people here to be at rest and to be in peace. Lord, I ask you would just impart your peace. Lord, just let that come down like a comforting blanket and just assure our hearts that it's all going to be okay. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. And I'm rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. You take me high on the wings of your truth. Yes, I'm rising up with you. Take me higher My life is elevated Cause you make me